Welcome back to Harry Potter and the Riri Podcast. I'm your host, David Jensen, joined as always with Kyle Jens. Kyle, how you doing? Swimmingly. I am a free elf of my own volition who does my own things and gets paid on my own accordance. So I'm living a good life, I guess you could say. <laughs> I mean, we're going to talk about it, but I kind of don't think those elves care. But we'll save that. We're gonna we'll save that because we're gonna get into it. We're we're gonna we're we're back. We're reviewing chapter by chapter, sometimes two chapters by two chapters. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Uh, did we say that we're Kyle and David? We did. All right, we're Kyle and David, and we're going over chapter twenty-one of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. <laughs> we're talking the House Elf Liberation Front today. Uh, we just got the one chapter. We're gonna we're gonna discuss this a little bit. And, yeah. So yeah. a little behind the scenes here, when we kind of um, split these out, we normally just go sort of by page numbers and try to avoid having two really long chapters back to back so that the episodes don't get too long. And this chapter had a lot of pages, and that's what I'll say about this chapter. It had a lot of pages. Um, why don't you? Why don't you take us? But I'll uh, let me take you through, through those lot of pages. A lot of pages. Yeah. So Ron and Harry are friends again. Woohoo. Um, so they're they're back to chumming around and they decide they're gonna go let Sirius know how the first task went. So they send a letter using Ron's owl pigwidgeon um, to let him know. Back in the common room, the Gryffindors are having a party for Harry um, and celebrating his wonderful success in the first challenge, and they want him to open up the egg. When he does that, it makes the most horrible shrieking sound that anyone's ever heard. So he closes it, and uh, yeah, we do not know how to open the egg. Uh, now we get a time jump, and it's the beginning of December. We are down to 10 scroots. I don't know why we keep checking in on the scroots, but we keep checking in on them, so I figured I'd mention it just be- in case it becomes important later on. It does. Um, uh, so 10 scroots left. They're big. They do not want to um, hibernate. Uh, as they're trying to wrangle the scroots, uh, Rhea Skeeter shows up and she makes a plan to interview Hagrid, which Harry thinks is going to be bad. Um, spoiler alert, it is. Um, we don't learn that yet, but spoiler alert. That's why I said it. Then it's time for divination, uh, where we learn that Harry is still marked for death. So, you know, kind of par for the course there. After class, they're looking around for Hermione. Um, they they can't locate her, um, but they do eventually find her and she takes them to meet with Dobby. And we learn that Spew has now been renamed the House Elf Liberation Front. So Dobby is working at Hogwarts and he has brought Winky along with him. Dobby's having the time of his life. He's getting paid, he's getting vacation. Um, Winky is not. She's very unhappy to be free. She's ashamed she's free. She does not want to be paid. Anytime they kind of talk to Winky, she just burst out crying. Um, now that he's no longer not allowed to speak ill of his masters, Dobby tells Harry that the Malfoys were bad, dark wizards. Um, and Harry actually has to remind Dobby that he doesn't need to punish himself for saying that because it's been so ingrained in him. Winky is still worried about the crouches. She tells us that Ludo is a bad guy and that him and Barty Sr. do not get along. And honestly, that that's the whole chapter. All right. Um, so I want to change up our order. I of- know you were you made very 
key note of it in the outlines that we follow yes, along I didn't here want to on Google Docs. I didn't want to forget. So, so let's let's go ahead to things that we might have forgotten from this chapter. The whole chapter. <laughs> uh, for me, I I didn't I didn't really remember any of this. So specifically, the things that like jumped out at me that I didn't remember is like everything to do with Winky. I kind of forgot that she was a character, to be honest. I'm remembering more, like as we as we read about her, I remember more like the impact she has later on. Mm-hmm. But at this point, I didn't expect to meet her here. When I realized where we were going, I was like, oh, we're gonna go talk to Dobby. Nope, she's there too. And then I forgot that Harry like and Hermione figured out how to break into the kitchens. I, that would have been a cool scene for them to put in the movie, but mm-hmm. uh, we obviously, we didn't really deal with the house elf stuff. So um that's why, but also that they changed the name to House Self Liberation Front. They didn't. She didn't explain. They, well, no, she didn't. She didn't change it. It was Ron sarcastically calling it the House Self Liberation oh, Front. Oh, okay. So I he guess. went. Oh, is this like as they're going to the kitchen? He's saying like, oh, is this this spew stuff again? And she says it's not spew. And what she meant was like S P E W. Uh, that's what it was supposed to be. And then Ron goes sarcastically. Oh, so it, what is it now? The house elf liberation uh-huh. front. So it's more of a sarcastic, uh, allu- uh, like an illusion or allusion. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I understand. I understand. Yeah. I did. I, that went right over my head when I was reading it. Um, so, yeah, I didn't remember pretty much anything here. What about you? Yeah, I mean, like I, I went, I recalled Dobby being part of the book. I yeah. kind of forgot about Winky. I know that they go to the kitchens at one point. I didn't quite remember why or know why. Um, I forgot that Rita had kind of arranged this interview with Hagrid as well. Um, but again, yeah, a lot of it went over the head because yeah. as we've said a few times, like if you don't read the books often and you go off of your memories from the movie, you only see a lot of from harry's point of view and you don't kind of get a lot of these these subplots as well so that kind of yeah we could say all of it i guess yeah there's it it was kind of fun to read in the sense that i didn't really know what was going on Mm -hmm. um so ron's back he is thank the lord it's night i after a lot of chapters of not having him you actually start to miss kind of his sarcastic remarks and he just kind of adds that extra dimension or dynamic that's kind of needed to I wouldn't say make the book interesting because the book is really good I think like we were we were messaging the other day talking about like the pace of this book and the book is really good to read but Hermione and Harry don't make a crew they no. they're, they're missing something yeah i i just really like how ron's presence just like really seems to lighten the mood of everything yeah um you really see it um like his his impact is like there's a whole like tonal shift to this chapter where all that weight that harry had been bearing is starting to lift a little because ron's back and now yeah. things are back a little bit more to normal so he's he's good and and he's uh you know, he's having fun with them. But I also thought, like, he was also pretty helpful in those interactions with Dobby and Winky. And, like, he, like, non-sarcastically tells Dobby that he'll get him a jumper because Dobby's really excited to have, like, a oh, like, very eclectic mm-hmm. uh, thing of clothes. And, and, like, this this is the side of Ron that um, 
is really nice to see and like why why he's such an important character and this is the side of ron that the movie's cut out yeah yeah you get you get his good natureness he's actually really good at kind of brightening the situation mm-hmm. when they need it um we also see without him just of... being without just being comic relief it's not just yes. that he makes jokes it's just like his presence in generally just makes them all work a little bit better together yeah and in relation to the movies actually like when i re- watch them ron's a bit of a glutton right like shoving yeah. his mouth but i thought it was actually embellished for entertainment but it turns out in this chapter that there's actually might be some truth to well, that because he's, the... he, he's so tall well in he's the so... books yeah that he's and he's like constantly hungry as like a 14 year old who's growing like it makes sense it does and like even like at the end of this chapter when they leave with all the treats from the kitchen he annihilates about three different treats in a matter of three sentence exchanges so i i like actually that it was kind of i didn't know that it was actually implanted or kind of based off of what could be seen as factual or something that actually happened from the book so So, i liked it yeah me too it's nice to have him back so obviously we spend the majority of this chapter talking to the house elves and yes. talking about house elves. So it was fun to read uh, them talking to Dobby and Winky um, and th- sort of get that contrast of how they're dealing with their freedom. Uh, you get sort of Dobby is ecstatic. Winky is not. And I think it feels to me like that's a lot based on how they were treated while they were like employed slash enslaved. Um, we know the Malfoys were terrible. Mm-hmm. I know that the Crouches are not great, but I don't think they were mistreating Winky to the extent that uh, Dobby was being mistreated. I, I would agree with that because Dobby actually made like the effort to go out and try and save Harry Potter in the second book because he knew that even though he was a slave to the Malfoys and would do what they say, and he was their servant and he was faithful to them. He also kind of knew that there was like Mm -hmm. a, a greater, a greater good, a greater thing. And he felt like he had to go warn Harry. Yeah. Dobby's always been a bit of an outlier when it comes to house elves though. Like I wouldn't compare him. I wouldn't call him the average house elf. No, based on what we know about him. Definitely not. Um, we get the sense from the rest of the house elves on that sense is they don't like, they don't they when Dobby stocks starts telling that he's getting paid now, they all sort of like look away and don't make eye contact. They don't want anything um, to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> this is not a pro slavery argument. However, <laughs> I think those house elves are happy. And let me lay out a scenario for you. I agree with you. So I'm... Let, let me lay out a scenario for you. There is only one thing in your entire life that you love doing. Let's say it's baking or cooking. And you get to spend all day baking and, and or cooking with your best friends. You are not lacking housing. You are not lacking food. You are not lacking relationships because you're hanging out with your friends all day. You are not in debt you get anything you need to do said baking and cooking. Mm-hmm. That sort of That's, seems like the ideal life. It's a great life. And, I... and there's a couple like caveats to this, obviously. Number one, 
being a house elf at Hogwarts seems way better than being a house elf at, say, I don't know, the Malfoys. It's top tier. Top right. tier house elf location. Right. Um, and it's not that's not for everyone because a lot of people love to do more than one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the biggest thing here is that choice is a whole factor in here where what we learned a lot in this chapter is that Dumbledore basically tells them, tells Dobby when he's asked for a job that can do whatever you want. I yep. don't really care. Like, I don't want you to feel like you're mistreated. So that again, the elves at Hogwarts are not a great example, but the elves at Hogwarts, they have the life they want because what we really, what I really took away from this chapter is that the life of a house elf, they glean value from acts of service, which is a mm-hmm. thing that lots of people glean value from. Um, the difference, obviously, of course, is that when you are being forced to do acts of service and you don't want to, that's bad. But these elves, they don't have any complaints about their elves. I, I compared it to like a pet to some extent. We know like when it comes to dogs, like many dogs are, are born to serve, born to please. Some of them love to pull sleds. Some of them yeah. want to run. Some of them want to herd. Yeah. Those elves, they want to serve. And yeah. it's in their nature and yes every house elf is going to be a little bit different some are going to want to have no freedom a la winky a la happy being like home and being able to serve with a family and be kept and be not cared for have a home have a shelter and everything like that whereas dobby wants something a little more freeing so again there's that spectrum within but what you get from this idea or from this chapter anyway is that for the most part they feel like this is where they want to be and they are content with it yes i think what this chapter sort of made me realize is that the concept of freeing like ending house self slavery is great in concept um except that that's what they want to do so Mm -hmm. i mean obviously the ideal solution is no slaves they can do what they want if they want to stay and work for you great if they don't they don't but they're not at a place where you could just say you're free now they wouldn't know what to do it so i think my big point here is that if you are going to try and end house self slavery you need to come up with more of a plan than Hermione clearly has as to how you're going to get them to not feel like everything has just been taken from them Mm -hmm. because they don't again at least these ones working at Hogwarts they don't feel enslaved and I'm not saying I don't think they're enslaved I'm saying that they don't feel like they are enslaved they're just living their lives happy to do everything um not the case at all house elves obviously we know dobby that wasn't the case there even in the next book when we meet creature he's not a help he's not a happy elf he is not happy to be serving Sirius black um for different reasons yeah but so there's definitely something to be said of of finding a way to end house elf slavery but that just making them free with a snap of your fingers they wouldn't appreciate it that way so you got to come up with a more nuanced plan and i don't Yeah, there's a difference between like wanting something done like that without putting in the groundwork and the footwork of actually figuring out how to help them transition out of it. We saw Dobby who basically lived going from house to house for about two years trying to find a place to live trying to find a place where he belonged because he didn't have like that transition out that he was able to seamlessly go into. It took him a long time to kind of figure out where he belonged. Um, 
I feel like we should, well, I feel like we should maybe just state so it's on the record is that uh, slavery of fictional elves is not the same as other types of real life slavery i just am, want that on the i just want that on the airwaves i am anti-slavery yeah um i feel like that if we were ever to get canceled from our 25 yeah. listeners this That's would it. be the episode yeah, so probably let, let the record state we are anti-slavery we are pro dei but, but at the same time yeah. give me that enslaved hogwarts house off life <laughs> i'd be content <laughs> it I seems think. it seems very cushy you, you cook you're doing something that you seem to like yeah you get a roof over your head I have a question for you, though. Um, yeah. We we know that Hermione comes from a Muggle background, where the things we're talking about slavery really bad, obviously yeah. uh, a lot of a lot of atrocities and and genocides and horrible things like that. Obviously, does her knowledge as a Muggle and knowing maybe more aware of like what slavery plays in regards to the Muggle world and the Muggle society does that play into her, her need or her stance or her point of view with the house elves in the wizarding world no because i think in the wizarding world people look at this two ways which is slavery is bad but slavery of house elves is just what it is <laughs> like it's not slavery of humans i think it's they don't but do you think, think but do you think that because she has that knowledge of slavery of humans that she relays it onto her feelings of how house elves are treated maybe i but i i feel like everyone like all the other wizards would have some sort of view on slavery of humans as well yeah we know the whole voldemort thing involved using muggles as slaves a little bit right that's true yeah yeah it does have that history yeah so i don't know i don't know it could probably to say no straight up like that was probably unfair um but i think i just wanted to make sure that i think what her muggle what her muggle viewpoint does is it offers a perspective of just because it's always been like this doesn't make it right yes um more than her viewpoint on potentially having learned about slavery in the muggle world all right Uh, do we want to talk about slavery anymore? No, I didn't even really done. want to talk about it at the beginning. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about some dumb things that Harry did. Okay. Actually, it's not really. Well, that's no, that's a fair statement. Okay. So they open the egg and the egg screams. Yeah. And they did not talk about that at all. Like they just go and they leave. Like go. They, yeah. there's just no like, uh, what are we going to do about this egg? Nothing. No conversation. It's quoted or Harry's actually saying like, oh, thank God this next task isn't for a few months away. Like he's he's parking it. He's parking point. it. He's not considering it at all. So that does not make sense. Um, also, it sounds like the house elves are cooking up desserts like nonstop. <laughs> but then the students have to steal them from the kitchens. Like what is happening to all these desserts? I don't know. They must get like distributed throughout the school or in common rooms. Or like, can you not get a snack but... whenever you want? Because I'm like a nighttime snacker. Like, I'm bad. I don't, we we bake I... some cookies and they're just here as I work all day. And that's just dangerous. But like, yeah. can I not, if I don't eat enough at dinner, am I screwed? Like, I guess not because I can just go steal from the kitchens. But like, I started just thinking like they're cooking and doing stuff all day. Like where's all this food going all of the time. Mm -hmm. And then it made me think of like, does Hogwarts have a cafeteria 
or they just have the great hall and they just have their main meals like i don't you, know you'd think that they must have something like that where they can take because what if you miss dinner what if you miss lunch what if you well, miss I supper? Think we've heard be like before. Go. i think we've heard if you miss dinner you just miss dinner which is terrible way to school feed are children. the school is insane they need three square meals a day yeah how else are they going and then ability the to snacks bread? and let them snack um yeah anything else that didn't make sense to you from this one i just why well again i we know how rita has this ability to just appear out of nowhere we know that she's an animagus and that she can turn into a beetle and that she can sneak onto hogwarts grounds very easily which is a very big concern in itself but we'll get to that maybe at another point i just the idea of letting a reporter roam free around the school to interview your well and she's not allowed she's not allowed exactly yeah she's just doing it anyways the only other thing is like Hagrid's halfway through the school year and he has no clue about these scroots he could have read a book by now he should know what's going on um the only other thing i'd say and this is more just a side note because you said that you're bringing up the scroots because they're mentioned i believe scroots are in the maze in the final task Uh, okay so I believe that's like their only connection or why they keep getting mentioned. All right. Um, so one of the things that I think is low-key important from this chapter that sort of I, like people just kind of gloss over is uh, Dolby comes straight up and says that the Malfoy are dark wizards, that the Malfoys <laughs> are dark wizards. And like it confirms everything that they knew, but you're right. It is kind of just glazed over. It's like very, it's like very much confirmed and they're not really taking it that seriously. Yeah. Um, but now we know like he he's released from having to keep their secrets. Yeah. Um, also, Harry isn't supposed to use Hedwig to send messages to Sirius anymore, but is using Ron's bird like that much better? Um, yes. Like Hedwig, the reason why they avoided her using her was because she's a beautiful white snowy owl. Okay, that so she stood out more. Out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, this just came to my mind as well. Uh, I guess sort of we've been talking about last week. We talked about the first task. Um, nobody knows where Harry's firebolt came from. Like, did everyone did... just accept that Harry, someone random, someone random bought Harry this broom? Are you sure? I feel like it was confirmed at the end of the third book. That... We know where it came from, but all the other students do not know where Harry just got this firebolt. It's Is not it... like Harry's like, oh yeah, Sirius Black sent it to me. Is it their business? I guess so. Like, yeah, I guess that's the, a thought. But a student got a, got sent the most expensive broom in the world. Uh, anyone who likes Quidditch, that's their business. By an accused uh, serial we don't, killer. So it's just like he just I got it, so. and everyone yeah. was like, "Yeah, it's fine. We don't care." What? I would never stop investigating that. Harry, where did that broom come from? I don't know. So you're riding a broom. Someone just sent you a broom. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But yeah, that just came to me. Yeah, the, um, the the for the record, the firebolt is not mentioned in this chapter for those who are no, listening. Just uh, <laughs> me, I was just thinking of it when uh, getting mail from Sirius. Yes, uh, All right, that's mind. valid. Um, I, I think it was kind of I just I think it was kind of neat, and it's it's alluded to, and it's building up to a bit more of a reveal later on. But when the Gryffindors are all guessing what the shrieking from the egg is, it's, it's interesting that Neville goes straight to, Oh, it's people being tortured. I bet your next task, you're going to have to figure out how to get out of the Cruciatus curse. So we know given his history with his, did I say that right? Cruciatus? I think so. Yeah. Not Crusatius. Cause that's almost no, like, crustacean. that's where the, that's that's where po- the dinosaurs. 
Crustaceous. Isn't, isn't, isn't there period. a Pokemon? There's a Pokemon like that as well, isn't there? He's like a little. I mean, there's guy. like 500 Pokemon. There's now, so, so many Pokemon now. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I it, it keeps alluding to this that Neville has a bit more of a backstory that's going mm-hmm. to involve this specific curse, as it was alluded to in a previous chapter in the previous, with Mad Eye yeah. Moody. Yep. Uh, any quotes that jumped out at you from this chapter? I missed Ron quotes. So, like, they're discussing, or ultimately, it's Fred and George who teach. Hermione and Ron and Harry how to get into this kitchen and as we see throughout this chapter they're just baking goods non-stop and just handing them out to whoever so Ron says all these years I've been impressed with Fred and George nicking food from the kitchens well it's not exactly difficult is it they can't wait to give it away so I just I had a good chuckle about that yeah uh, I have a quote here from Dobby who is discussing how Dumbledore does not make them keep his secrets or not insult him. And he, and this is Dobby talking about what Dumbledore said they could do. He said, we is free to call him a barmy old codger if we like. And a, that's kind of a fun thing that Dumbledore did for them, but also barmy old codger. What a great insult. It was a great insult. I like Uh, it. Yeah. Okay. LVP and MVP. This is the least at stake. These chapter titles have ever been, but here we are. It's our job. We got to make some decisions. LVP. Uh, yeah. What do you Hermi- got? Hermione. That's where I went as well. She's, you know, she's super astute. She's super driven. All positive traits, all really good. But she's really clasped onto this idea that these that these elves are suffering. But that's not necessarily the truth. Because like she just... That's what I is literally you've basically it, word for word captured what I've written down. She just doesn't seem to get what they want. Yep. It's it's she's treating it as a very black and white issue where it's a very gray issue. It is and, gray. And, and obviously well, it, it shows that she has some development, I think, to do in like her logic and her thinking and kind of her not maturity. She's very mature, but like she thinks that it's this one size fits all solution. That's going to save them all. Um, She doesn't ever really have a true understanding of how the world works at this point. Like she doesn't understand that just because yeah, you, you can't make X action and expect Y result and everyone will be happy with it. You got to learn that every action or reaction that you have some people will like, some people will like, and it's going to be impossible to find something that will be all encompassing. Yeah. On the flip side here, my MVP candidate here is he's, it's Dumbledore because he hires Dobby. He offers to pay him. He offers to pay him. Like Dobby has to actually negotiate less money and less time <laughs> off. And Dumbledore is like, yeah, just come do what you want. And yeah. the house elves at Hogwarts, he's not enforcing the standard house elf rule of slavery on them. Yeah, they are employees of Hogwarts. They just don't get compensated because they do not want compensation. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, that's how I sort of look at it. So it, I don't know if he was the person who um, came up with that structure or if it would have always been like that. But that's how it is. And he's in charge so he can have the credit. Yeah, that's that's fair. I didn't consider him because he wasn't in the chapter. Um, so for that reason, I just I went with dobby yeah he's the other he's the other person you you know he was it still seemed like even though he was like two years without a home or without anyone to support he still seems pretty 
mild-mannered about it and it kind of seems like he also very likely saved the life of winky but i think so i think that's probably an underreported story is he definitely made sure that winky's okay and you know you can just summarize dobby's impact up here with like the vibes are good dobby brought the good vibes this (laughs) chapter let's leave it at that let's leave it at that uh quick episode here today no problem next week two chapters the unexpected task and the yule ball um so we're we're making it uh we're we're moving through the school year here. We are. Um we're going to see hormones in full effect the next uh next episode, I would There'll say. be some upset children in the next couple chapters. <laughs> um and so we'll be sure to comment on that. Uh, you want to follow us in the meantime though, uh please do so on Instagram at Harry Potter reread podcast. We'll be sharing a lot there from uh both of us here i uh, just like to remind everyone again we're very anti-slavery yeah yeah don't cancel us anti-slaves anti-slavery views here although no no all those anti-slavery <laughs> we'll be back as soon as assuming we're not canceled uh wait honestly we only have 25 listeners we'll be back regardless um we'll be back next time two chapters i'm david that's kyle bye Thank you.